And what a great Easter last week. Wasn't it a great Easter last Sunday? That was such a great day. House was full and God's presence was here. Just such a great, great day. Um, Real excited about this new series called I Declare War. It's kind of a heavy series, so I thought I'd start a little bit lighter uh, this morning. And uh, so there was this pastor, he was preaching on forgiveness. He got to the end of his message and he just said to his congregation, how many will admit there's people in your life that you have not forgiven? And about half the hands went up. And the pastor wasn't going to relent. He asked again, I know there's more out there. The people realized it's getting close to lunch. We better cooperate with this pastor. And uh, how many of there, you have people you've not forgiven? This time, 80% of the hands went up. And the pastor said, I'm going to ask you one more time. How many, how many in here have not forgiven? And every hand went up except for one lady, one little old lady. And he looked at that lady and said, now there, now there's a godly woman. There's one person in this congregation who has people in their life that she does not need to forgive. And so uh, I'm just going to ask her to come up here, come up here. And you tell everybody this morning, tell everybody the secret. Why is it that you have no buddy to forgive after all these years and the little old lady she just she just made her way up to the front and uh, she took the microphone and she said well pastor i just outlived the old hags so uh, i hope this morning you'll get some better better advice than just outlive the old hags all right uh we're gonna we're gonna get into the word of the lord here i uh, declare war. I think this is a, a series that's kind of just right in time for summer. There's certain times of the year that I feel like we're more on top of things. The beginning of the year is a time of year where we're kind of on top of it. We're making new decisions. We're making new resolutions. We're making new choices, and we're 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 getting ready for uh, uh, for for new decisions and new things in our life. And then in the fall, I think that's a time when you know kids are back in school. We're just sort of recommitting ourselves in the fall is the time when we feel like we're more on top of it, more ready. But summertime, there's something about summertime that can just, if we're not careful, just sort of make us uh, relax and uh, our resolutions let down, our motivations uh, have worn thin. And uh, so just in time for summer, we're going to once again recommit ourselves uh, to the Lord with this series, I Declare war. Now, 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 you might be asking, why, why, Pastor? Why would we, why would we declare war? And what I would say to us is, we're in a war, whether you realize it or not. Amen. We're 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 all in a war, whether we realize it or not. The Bible says a lot about the war that we're in and the things that we battle. And really, there's three battlegrounds that are outlined in Scripture. One, one enemy, of course, is the devil. And the Scripture talks about him. Our adversary, the devil, walks about, the Scripture says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There is a real devil that, that, that wants to destroy us. I read a good book by a guy named Francis Franzipan one time about the three battlegrounds. And what he said, what he said about when the devil accuses you, he said, agree with your enemy. And I really liked that. I, I liked that chapter. And what he said was, when the devil just tells you, you know, all the things you've done, say, yes, agree with him, but then make your appeal. I'm not, I'm not coming based on my righteousness. I'm coming based on 
what Jesus has done for me. Amen? So, so that's the devil. That's, that's one, of our, one of our battle fronts. The world, and when I say the world, what, I'm gonna, what, what I mean by the world, I mean the, the prevailing world view, the, the, the spirit of the age, some people call it the zeitgeist, the, 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 uh, the milieu in which we live, the environment with which the, we live is at war. Everybody's doing it where where we just feel like ah oh, we're just a minority and we're just we're just uh, we're just not with it anymore uh, John's first John 2:15 says don't love the world neither the things that the world offers you because if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him amen so there is a there is a spirit of the age that wars against us but i think the biggest enemy that we face is even closer than the devil and is closer than the world and and that enemy is ourself, or the scripture sometimes, our flesh, our flesh. There's a war that's going on, <clears throat> and uh, this one, by the way, I hate to tell you, it doesn't get better with age. We still, we still fight it. I read, a, I read a book by an older guy one time, and, I, and, and I'll never forget just one line I read from that book. He said, we're never far from the edge of the cliff. You, know, we, we, you don't get seniority in the Lord where suddenly it gets easy. Our flesh continues to be a problem uh, all the way through our walk with the Lord. So we're going to talk about this war with the flesh. Galatians 5.17, I believe it's on the screen, says, The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. How many know that just doing whatever we want is a formula for self-sabotage? It's really a formula, it's really a formula for, and, and, and there's, there's that, you know, I, I, I just could eat carbs 24-7, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what I want to do, honestly. But how many know that if you overdo it on carbs, you get that feeling, Lord, I'll never do it again. I just feel awful. You know, you, you just feel bad about yourself when you, when you do those things that, that you know are not the best for you when you're listening to the flesh. We have a, we have a tendency to self-sabotage. Paul said it this way in Romans, I truly don't understand myself for... For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But, but if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It's that one living inside me that does it. It's this self, this flesh that's at war with the spirit that's always going to self-sabotage. There, there's a, some of you have made a, may have heard this story. It was big on the news. Uh, there's a painter by the name of Banksy. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he, he painted a, a very famous painting uh, called Girl with the Balloon. I think I have the picture of that girl with the balloon. Have you ever seen that painting? That painting was the, in 2017, it was, in England, it was the most, voted the most beloved painting in the whole country of England, Girl with the Balloon. Banksy, Banksy is a, a very famous street artist. Well, um, he decided, Banksy, is, he's, he's kind of a, a provocateur, and he decided that if that painting ever went for, up for auction, he was going to do something. And so that painting did go up for auction in 2018. 
And when it went up for auction at Sotheby's, there was a, they were bidding on the painting. And that painting just kept going up and up and up. And finally, that painting sold for $1.4 million. But when, when uh, the gavel went down, sold, immediately when that happened, I wish I had a video to show uh, to you this morning. Yes, it did. Immediately what happened is that, that painting went through a shredder. The artist had built a shredder into the bottom of the frame, and as soon as they said sold, the guy that just bought $1.4 million watched his painting, and you could hear it just coming down through, and it was just in shreds. The painting was in shreds. The, the artist was trying to sort of make fun of, of uh, how much people pay for art and all that kind of stuff. And he was doing that to make a show. And here this guy bought a painting for $1.4 million only to see it shred. That, that painting had a self-sabotage built into it. We have a tendency to self-sabotage. In a medical journal recently, there was an article that said that when doctors give a prescription, a full one-third of the people that are given the prescription never get it filled. They never bother to go to the drugstore and get that prescription filled. Of the other two-thirds of people, half of those people will not take the prescription correctly. They won't finish the dosage. They'll quit taking it before they're supposed to quit taking it. It's self-sabotage. And interestingly enough, this is even true in people who are taking um, anti-rejection medicine. So they've been on a list waiting for a kidney for years and years and years. And finally they get a kidney and they need to take these anti-rejection drugs, but they won't do it. Now there's one notable exception. The one notable exception is people will follow prescriptions to the hilt if it's a prescription from the vet for your pet. Isn't that interesting? If the vet prescribes something for your pet, people are much more likely to follow those instructions to the hilt. We have a self-destruct button into us that, uh, that, that, that keeps us from becoming everything that God wants us to be. So how do we... How do we get victory over this tendency within us, this spiritual tendency within us to self-sabotage? We know what's right. We just don't do what's right. Our flesh is at war with our spirit. One powerful thing that we can do is that we can declare war. You have to admit that you're in a war and that you and you have to finally declare war on whatever it is that's holding us back. Declaring war changes our mindset. In fact, I'm going to give you some homework uh, for this series. 
my homework is I would challenge you to go home and write down a declaration of war because whatever you struggle with isn't what I struggle with, isn't what the next person struggle with. But we all, we all know we have, in fact, uh, one of the writers called it besetting sins, the sin that so easily besets me. The devil knows my weak spots. He knows where, he knows where I'm vulnerable. My, my flesh goes to one. And declare war on that and write out a, de- a declaration of war. I would encourage you to do that. Write it out. And then I would say not only write it out, but share it with somebody that you trust that will help keep you accountable to that declaration of war. This morning's message is called Think Like a Wolf. Here's where it comes from. One of our most beloved uh, uh, presidents in history is a president by the name of Teddy Roosevelt. He was the first at a lot of things. First of all, he was the youngest president ever to be elected. He was the first president that ever rode in a submarine. He was the first president that ever rode in an airplane. He was the first president that ever had a car. First one to talk on a telephone. He was the first president to win uh, a Nobel Prize. Uh, He was the first president to win a Medal of Honor. When he was the Secretary of Navy, he, he dreamed of going to war. He dreamed of what it would be like to be a warrior. He he never himself did it, but he dreamed about it. Uh, He had a crisis in his life, though, that happened where on the same day he lost both his mother and his wife. On the same day, they both died in the same house. Teddy Roosevelt never talked about it after that. It it was sort of the spirit of those times. You didn't talk about your grief. You You just sucked it up and drove on. So he lost his wife. And By the way, I don't think that's a healthy way to grieve. Uh, so, so he lost his wife and he lost his mother. And so what did he do? He moved to South Dakota and he moved to South Dakota to become a rancher. He was trying to get in touch with this, uh, the, the strong man inside of him. He still dreamed of, a uh, 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 fighting in battle and, um, war broke out what later became known as the Spanish American war. And he got a group together that became known as the Rough Riders. And they were, they were a collection of common people, college athletes, Harvard grads, uh, that were, were, uh, they, they went to Cuba. And, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's goal was to take Sam Juan Hill. And so, you know, he'd always dreamed about this. He got himself a sombrero. He, uh, he got a bandana, tied it around backwards, special spectacles. Uh, he actually got it, them shot off his face and had to get another one. But it came the day, it came the day on July 1st, 1898, which he would call the greatest day of his life. On that day, he's getting ready to lead this, this, this group to try to take Sam Hill, and there was a, there was a barbed wire that he had to crawl under. And he saw that barbed wire as the dividing line between his old self and his new self. And and his desire was to not cross that barbed wire because he knew once he crossed it, he was committed. But he crossed that barbed wire. And uh, not only did he lead that group of men up San Juan Hill and take it, but they took that hill and they took the next hill and they and, and, and they said they never saw such a warrior before that they saw in Teddy Roosevelt when he did that. And what Roosevelt said, he said that when he crossed that line, he said, 
the wolf arose in his heart. That there was, a, there was a wolf inside of him that he didn't know that he had that arose in his heart. And, and some of us, you know, are getting beat around, you know, by our flesh and we're, we're not overcoming. And, and there, there's, there's a time to declare war. And, and I know that sometimes we think of the, the wolf in bad, in bad terms because you learned that from the three little pigs, right? But uh, anyway, any animal that God made has some qualities that we need to emulate. The, you know, even those snakes, we think that they're bad. The Bible says, be as wise as serpents, right? So, so, so there's, a, there's a wolf inside of us that, that wants to be glorious in, in, in helping us to overcome things that we need to overcome. One of the great keys to getting victory over our flesh, and we talked about it yesterday in our men's small group, it's how we think. We are what we think, amen? The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We are what we think. 2 Corinthians says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We were talking about this yesterday, and Roger Sumner got excited. I mean, he just said, he said, thoughts are spiritual, didn't you? And he didn't just say thoughts are spiritual. He was like, thoughts are spiritual. He got passionate about that, talking about how our thoughts are spiritual. And he's absolutely right. Thoughts are spiritual. And how we think matters. You can change the way you feel by changing the way that you think. Let me say that again. You can absolutely change the way you feel if you can change the way you think. Colossians says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are from above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Training your mind. What you think about. Martin Luther said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you don't have to build them a nest. Because there will be stray thoughts that will fly over your head, but you can't build those Build those birds a nest. We've got to think about things that are above. Romans says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Matthew, Jesus said, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all of your mind. I'm going to say something, and I'm going to ask you not to turn me off because there's a lot of people that are sort of fed up with this, this but, uh, but just hear me out. Be intentionally positive. Now, when I say this, I'm not talking about Tony Robbins' Christianity. I'm not talking about just, uh, just hyping things up with, with, with little positive, pithy statements. But let me say this. Positive thinking is a response to God 
not a replacement of God. And that makes all the difference in the world. Positive thinking is a response to God, but not a replacement of God. It's not just that that thoughts have their own power and that they become our God, and if we just say things positively enough, we'll become those. But responding to God with the hope that God puts in our heart is the key to everything. Now, uh, one thing that I'm kind of aware of here at the church is that you all don't really know my family very well because we're scattered all over the uh, country. So I want to introduce you to my family. I think I've got a picture of them behind me. That's my, that's my siblings. Aren't they cute? Uh, the pastors are bald, okay? The, my, my brother John in the front, he's a, he's a pastor. He pastors uh, in northern Illinois. Uh, but John is not only a great pastor, he's a, he's a great counselor. In fact, he's sought out all over the world, and he travels all over the world. He's, he has a specialty in counseling missionaries who are going through tough stuff. Uh, Chick-fil-A's uh, discovered my brother's talents, and they their corporate uh, offices used my brother to come and do counseling for them. Uh, he's, he's just uh, been very blessed in that area. I'm just going to brag on my family for a couple minutes, and there's a reason for it. My sister that's up front there, she is uh, she's a businesswoman. She uh, runs a very successful coffee shop in her hometown called Jeremiah Joe's. Uh, it's on the ground floor of my brother's church, actually, and it's really in the city of the center, one of the best businesses in town. Uh, just She's hosted lots of famous people there. Uh, uh, a young senator rented her space one time by the name of Barack Obama uh, to have a rally one time. Uh, she's just been very blessed in her business, and uh, uh, she she's also a high school teacher, and she teaches government, but she really cares about what she uh, teaches and she teaches about genocide and she cares enough about it that she went to Rwanda and she cares a, a lot about that and and she was invited just this week to be on a panel at Notre Dame University where she she was up there with doctors and lawyers and my sister talking about uh, our Western response to genocide and how we handle that she's an administrator in her church and she she works for and lives for the Lord Paul the good looking one with hair. Uh, he lives in Hawaii. He's a nurse uh, uh, practitioner, uh, works for the federal government, and uh, very involved in his church, and he has to suffer for Jesus in Hawaii. He lives in Oahu. But, uh, so that's where he lives. And, uh, but Paul uh, works for the U.S. government, and uh, several years back, uh, because he works for the government, you're owned by the government, and they can tell you what to do, he was called to go to Liberia during the Ebola crisis. And my brother Paul, uh, and Paul loved it. He hazmatted up, and uh, they went in there, and, uh, and they eradicated Ebola in, uh, in the country of Liberia. And at the end of that year, Times Man of the Year were the Ebola crisis healthcare workers. Uh, and Paul was one of those. He had a prominent picture of himself that was featured uh, in Time magazine. Um, I, I say all of that to say that all of that, all of that history was in. in, in, in and uh, by the way, my my claim to fame is I married Melanie. That's my that's that's my claim to fame. But uh, go to the next picture if you will, and this shows us as little tykes. We were just little kids, and I just wanted to say that that what I just told you 
was in real jeopardy right here. And I'll tell you why it was in real jeopardy. You, you notice my dad, his face is kind of pudgy. We, by the way, we belonged, uh, I grew up in a very legalistic uh, denomination back then. Women didn't cut their hair. And uh, you can see my mom, I, I had a friend one time come over and said, is your mom a Martian? Uh, she had that real high hair, you know, and never had, had, had cut her hair. But my, my, my parents were, were church planters. But while they were planting that church, my dad's kidneys failed. And so his kidneys failed, and uh, he would sit down and preach in those early days. And uh, it didn't look good for the Nordstrom clan. Uh, in those, the reason that his face is kind of puffy in that picture there is he's on anti-reject. He's li- he's lived on steroids uh, all of his life, anti-rejection uh, medicine, and he had that kidney transplant when he was very young. He was one of the earliest kidney transplants. Today, he's one of the longest living kidney transplants that there are. Um, and all of that story was in jeopardy. I want to show you the next picture. This is my mom and dad today. That's them. They got out of that denomination, you can tell. But anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's my parents today. Uh, and they're still very vibrant and alive. And by the way, in July, on their 60th wedding anniversary, we're all going to go, uh, Nordstrom's are from Sweden. We're all going to go to Sweden. And we're, uh, we're going to take a cruise. Uh, and, and all of our kids and spouses are going to go because we want to be with our parents. We don't know how much time we got left with them. We're going to do this thing, and we're going to celebrate life together. But I want to say the key to everything, and I don't get to speak on Mother's Day because Melanie is. This is my Mother's Day tribute. This lady right here, I didn't know it when we were kids, but we were on food stamps at that time. We were on, we were on government help just to, just to survive. Dad's trying to plant a church. Uh, Dad, by the way, was very talented. He was... He, he worked in a Bible college, was a teacher in a Bible college, but when he got kidney disease, uh, they didn't want to cover his insurance, so they fired him. And so my dad uh, planted a church instead. My mother could have gotten bitter. By the way, I never heard that story growing up. He was never bitter about it. Uh, but I never heard that story. And then my, my, mother, my mother decided, we're not sitting down, family. And she started going door-to-door selling world book encyclopedias. World book encyclopedias. Some of you don't even know what that is. This is before Google. You had to look things up in books. And world book encyclopedias, she would knock on people. And I remember her when she would leave the house. She would look in a full-length mirror and say, I feel happy, I feel healthy, I feel terrific. And she'd smile at herself and she'd head out that door and she became a crazy great sales lady. And she won trips to Europe. She did all kinds of things. And, and we watched because of her refusal to cave in. I'm sure her flesh at that time said, give up. What's the use? What's it for? But so, there's a wolf that rose up in my mother. And my mother refused uh, to lose. So they, they planted that church that went on. And my dad, 15 years later, had another kidney transplant. Got his first one from his mother. He got his second one from his brother. And now my kidney's nervous. <laughs> no, uh, but he's, he's, going on, he's going on his second kidney transplant. One of the longest survivors that there is. 
I have no doubt that one of the reasons that my parents have done so well, the reason that, uh, that my brothers and sisters have done so well, all of that was in jeopardy except that one woman refused to lose and she declared war on her situation. And when she did that, there was a wolf that rose within her. And um, I, I want to say, some of you might be here and you're thinking, well, you know what, I didn't have that kind of heritage. I didn't, I didn't have that kind of... You know where my heritage starts? My heritage starts with my great-grandmother. She's the first Christian that we know of in our family. My great-grandmother whose husband went out for a loaf of bread one day and never returned. He left her. And my grandmother lived single the rest of her life, became a prayer warrior, and raised my grandmother who raised my mother who raised us. You may be sitting here today and you think, I have no background. I have no reason that, you know, yeah, it's good, easy for you to say you got a mom and dad that did that. Let me just tell you, somebody's got to be the first in the chain. Somebody's got to be the one to stand up and say, I refuse to lose. I'm, I'm going to declare war on this situation and come hell or high water, for, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm so thankful that my parents did that. As the, uh, as the worship team comes, I, I want to close by saying, we have this self-sabotage in us, and you might be sitting here today and thinking, you know what, I just, I feel like that Banksy painting. I've been through the shredder. How many of you ever felt like you've been through a shredder? I have. Oh, yeah, shredder. Can I tell you a, a, an interesting story about that painting? That story became so viral, and that became so interesting. The guy that bought it for 1.4 million you better believe he kept it you know why it's worth a lot more than that today that shred painting is worth a lot more than 1.4 million dollars today why because of the story some of you are here today and you've been through it you've been through the shredder you've been through the ringer you've been through all kinds of stuff Maybe you're feeling worthless. Can I just say, you're even more valuable. Because now you got a story. You know what I didn't tell you about my mom's story? My mom's goal in life when she was a teenager was to backslide and leave the church. Till grandfather sent her to camp one, son, one summer. And my grandfather tells the story this way. Phyllis, the Phyllis who went to camp was not the Phyllis who came home. A different Phyllis came back than the Phyllis that came. You can declare war on your situation. You can declare war on your flesh. And when you declare war, you have no idea the potential that lies inside of you. You have no idea whatever situation you're sitting, you're sitting in today. There, there's, there's, there's a wolf inside of you like, like Teddy Roosevelt that's, that's, ready to, that's ready to take San Juan Hill, that's ready to take Future Hills, that's ready to become victorious. Hey, somebody needs to hear today, you've got some great stuff inside of you that's waiting to come out. Amen. Declare war. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray this morning?
with every head bowed and every eye closed today, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, man, that was for me. I, I know I needed this word today. And today, today I declare word today. I'm just, as we sang earlier, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If that's you in this place today, say, this is my, this is my barbed wire fence. This is my line in the sand. I'm not going back. Would you raise your hand in this place right now? Thank God for that. Amen. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you. And maybe you're here today and you've, you've already, you're committed to Jesus. But there's just some things in your life that you say, I'm, you know what? I'm going to the mat on this one. I'm declaring war on this situation. And I, and I encourage you, write it down. Go home and, and, and take notes on this. But how, how many of you are willing to say with me, there's some things I'm going to war on. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight this good fight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning and we give you our hearts. We give you our lives. We confess, Lord, that we need you. And today, Lord, we decide to follow you with all of our heart, soul, our mind. So we ask, Lord God, that as we take every thought captive this morning and we set our minds on things above, not on things of this world, God, that you would change our mindset this morning, God. We thank you, Lord, and we declare war in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.